the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. He wasn't jealous or envious. I'm the only prophet. No one else is the prophet. Now, Moses had the right response. He had the right response to seeing others being used by the Lord, blessed by the Lord. He he wasn't self-seeking. He was God-seeking. And that was the response of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is not self-focused. He's he's Christ-focused. He says, hey, I'm I'm just a friend of the bridegroom. I'm, I'm happy for my friend on his wedding day. Many of the ministries that have gained large followings in our world are centered around the talents of an individual pastor or worship leader. Instead of the Savior, they are meant to glorify. This certainly happened with some of the leaders in the Bible, but as Pastor Dan will point out in today's message, in their best moments, men like Moses or John the Baptist got it exactly right. It was when they stepped aside and put God in focus that they experienced the most success in fulfilling their calling. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 3 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. John just rests in the sovereignty of God that, hey, everything we have is from God. And John, we see here in verse 28, he rests in who he is and who he is not. He says, I'm not the Christ. I'm not the Christ. I, I've been sent before him. And in other words, John is saying, I know my calling. I know my role. I know what God's called me to do. I know my limitations. I know what God has called me to be. I know what God has called me not to be. And John was just just comfortable and content to be who he was. He was just content in his calling, and he wasn't trying to be someone else. You know, John was happy just to stay in his own lane and be who God called him to be. And I would say to you, there is so much contentment and so much freedom in knowing who you are in Christ and knowing who you are not and just resting in that and walking in that and not trying to be someone God never called you to be. That can be very frustrating. Try to be someone you're not supposed to be. You know, look over in Philippians chapter four, if you want to turn there with me. And here's, here's Paul. Talk about a guy who had different seasons in his life and seasons of great blessing and abundance and seasons of great uh, leanness. It's the Apostle Paul. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Look Look what Paul says here in verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned. It's something you have to learn. It doesn't come naturally to us. 
For I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. You have to learn to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how, know how to have nothing. And I know how to abound. He's experienced both. And both of them were God's will. Not that he was doing something wrong in the lean years. He was still being faithful to his calling. It's just God brought him through some times where he was abased. And God brought him into times where he abounded. He said, everywhere in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. Now look at verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We like to quote that verse, don't we? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, can you be content? That's what the context is. Can can you be content in suffering? It's easy to be content when you're abounding. (laughs) Oh, praise the Lord, right? But what about when you're abased? And that's the context in which Paul says, I I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, I can learn to be content in no matter what my circumstances are in life. I, Christ will strengthen me to, to do that. Now go back to John uh, chapter 3 in verse, in verse 29. Now what John does is he uses a, an illustration of a wedding here to illustrate how he sees his role, his calling. Verse 29, he who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. John gives this illustration of a wedding, and in the illustration, Jesus is the bridegroom. Those that he is calling to himself is his, are his bride, is his bride. That would be the church. And John sees his role as simply the best man. I'm just the best man. How many of you here have been a best man at a wedding? A couple of you. How many of you have been to a wedding? Let's, let's try that. All right. You guys have seen a best man, at least, uh, at a wedding. And John says here, hey, I, I'm, I'm just the best man at the wedding. I'm happy for the groom that he's getting his bride. You know, my joy's fulfilled because, because the groom and the bride are getting married. Now, can you imagine if going to a, a wedding uh, where the best man at the wedding tries to make the wedding all about himself or tries to steal the spotlight? From the groom. And when he gets up to give his toast at the reception, instead of talking about the groom and what a great guy he is and how lucky he is to marry this beautiful bride, he talks all about himself as the best man. Tries to make it all about him at at the wedding. That, that, That would be strange. Or could you imagine if the best man became jealous of the groom because the groom's getting married and not the best man. And the groom's getting the bride. Now, the best man's job is, is there to be happy for the groom. And that's John's attitude here. I'm just the best man. And listen, that's the proper attitude we should have toward anyone else who's blessed or anyone else who's used of God or anyone else who's, who's successful or more successful of, 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 than us. Not jealousy, not envy, not bitterness, but we should just rejoice at their accomplishments. Hey, the Lord's blessing them. Lord's working in their life. You know, they're really abounding right now by the grace of God. You know, just like a best man rejoices for the groom at the wedding. You know, in the Old Testament, there's a story in Numbers chapter 11. If you're taking notes, you can jot that down. Uh, Numbers chapter 11. We're not going to turn there. 
there's this story about these two guys. One is named Eldad, and one is named Medad. Uh, and Eldad and Medad, they started prophesying in the camp of Israel. They started speaking the word of God to the people of Israel in the camp of Israel. Now, at that point, Moses was the only prophet of Israel. God was only speaking through Moses. But now you've got these two guys, Eldad and Medad, and they're prophesying in the camp. And someone runs to Moses and says to Moses, hey, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the servant of Moses, when he hears it, he says to Moses, Moses, you should make them stop. Now, why does Joshua say that? Because Joshua sees Eldad and Medad as a threat to Moses. Because Moses is the only prophet. Now you got these two other guys that are prophesying. And Joshua sees Eldad and Medad as competition. And so he says, Moses, you better make them stop. And I want you to listen to Moses' response. It's so, it's so beautiful. He said, Joshua, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets. And that the Lord would put his spirit upon all of them. Isn't that wonderful? You know, Moses wasn't trying to hold on to power. He wasn't territorial. He, he wasn't trying to keep others from excelling. He didn't see it as a threat. He wasn't jealous or envious. Well, I'm the only prophet. No one else is the prophet. Now, Moses had the right response. He had the res right response to seeing others being used by the Lord, blessed by the Lord. He, he wasn't self-seeking. He was God-seeking. And that was the response of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is not self-focused. Self he's he's Christ-focused. He says, hey, I'm, I'm just a friend of the bridegroom. I'm, I'm happy for my friend on his wedding day. Now look at verse 30. Verse 30 is, is you know, maybe the most important verse in the whole paragraph. He must increase, but I must decrease. That was John's heart. He must increase. I must decrease. More of Jesus and less of me, what John's saying. More of Jesus and less of me. You should write that down. More of Jesus and less of me. I'll give $20 to the first person who gets that tattooed on their body. Right? More of, we accept a personal check. I'm just kidding. No. More of Jesus, right? More of Jesus and less of me. This, this is, John's response here is the opposite of a self-focused life. A self-focused life is all about me and what I want and what I need and what makes me happy. John's response is less of me, more of Jesus. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. 
The app is super convenient. It's easy to use and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now. Search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Jesus himself said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him do what? Deny himself and take up his cross daily, every day. Not once, every day. And then you can come follow me. And what Jesus is saying is, before you can be my disciple, before you can follow me, you got to deal with self. And how do you deal with self? Jesus, you got to put it on the cross. You got to crucify self every day to be my disciple because being a disciple of Jesus, it's all about Jesus. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's more of Jesus and it's less of me. And John says here, you know, his disciples come to him and say, hey, John, all the people are leaving. They're not coming here. They're going to follow Jesus now. What are you going to do, John? And John says, I want want my whole life to be about Jesus. It's not about me. It was never about me. I'm just the best man at the wedding. I'm not the groom. I want less of me, more of Jesus. Now look at what John says about Jesus in verse 31. Now he's going to give China this, this commentary now on who Jesus is. He says, he who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. Jesus came from above. He came down from heaven to the earth. In the person of Jesus Christ, God came down from heaven to the earth. We saw in chapter 1, he's the word made flesh. He's God incarnate. He's Emmanuel, God with us. Paul says, great is the mystery of godliness, that God was manifested in the flesh. God revealed himself to mankind by becoming flesh, by becoming the person of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is from above. He's from heaven. And because he's from above, he is above all. And John says here, everyone else is from the earth and is earthly, including John. John is saying that Jesus came down from heaven. I'm from the earth, as is everyone else. That's why Jesus must increase and we must decrease. Because he's God. And we're just men and women of the earth. And this is one of the things that distinguishes Jesus from everyone else, including all other uh, religious leaders, if you want to call them that. Jesus is from heaven. Everyone else is from the earth. Jesus is from heaven. Mohammed is from the earth. He's just a man. The Dalai Lama is from the earth. He's just a man. Buddha is from the earth. He's just a man. Everyone else is just from the earth. Jesus is the only one who's from above, who has come down to the earth. He came down from heaven to the earth and became a man and took on human flesh to reveal God to us and ultimately to die on the cross for us, to pay for our sins because our sins, the Bible tells us, separated us from God. We couldn't have a relationship with God. That relationship was broken by our sin. 
And there was nothing that we could do on our end, on our side of it, to get ourselves up to heaven. We saw that last week in chapter 3. And no one can ascend up to heaven. We, we, we can't ascend up to heaven and, and, and lay hold of God. None of us can. We're earthly. And so what did God do? Because God loves us and God desires a relationship with us. God came down to us. But there's still the sin issue. So what did God do? He took care of the sin issue because we couldn't take care of it. It was a debt we couldn't pay. And so God himself paid our debt by dying on the cross as a sacrifice for us, a substitutionary sacrifice. Verse 32 goes on to say, and what he has seen and heard, speaking of Jesus, that he testifies and no one receives his testimony. He's telling us Jesus came down from heaven and he testifies to us about heaven. He tells us the truth about heaven and how to get there. And what did Jesus say about heaven? He said that he's the only way. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the father, but through me. He's the only way to heaven. That's his testimony. But he tells us here in verse 32 that most people reject his testimony. They reject Jesus Christ. What did Jesus say? Broad is the road that leads to destruction. And there are many that are traveling on it. But narrow is the road that leads to life. And there are few that find it. Majority of people reject the testimony of Jesus. Verse 33. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. Those who accept the teachings of Jesus and receive his testimony, they testify that God is true. Those who reject it are in effect saying that God is a liar, that Jesus is a liar about heaven, that he's not the only way. Do you understand? Do you understand when someone just flippantly says, I I don't believe Jesus is the only way? For I think many paths lead to God. You are, you are calling Jesus Christ a liar. Do you really want to do that? You're calling Jesus Christ a liar because he said he's the only way. That no one can come to the Father but through him. And to reject his testimony is to say, well, no, I think he's lying. I don't think he's telling the truth about heaven. He may have come down from heaven to the earth, but I think he's lying to us about how to get there. Verse 34. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the spirit by measure. Jesus was sent by God, and he speaks the words of God. He reveals God to us. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 1, you don't have to turn there, but Hebrews chapter 1, we're told, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke, and he spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, he has in in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. So it tells us there that God, at various times and in various ways, he spoke to mankind. How did God speak? Well, in the past, he spoke through the prophets, the Old Testament prophets. But in the last days, these last days of God speaking, that is, he spoke through his son, Jesus Christ. And oh, by the way, he's the heir of all things. It throws that in there. God speaks to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And he did not give Jesus Christ the spirit by measure. In other words, Jesus had all the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Verse 35, the father loves the son. Remember remember he said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He loves the son. 
and has given all things into his hand. Aren't you glad for that? That all things are in the hands of Jesus? That this world is in his hands? That your life is in his hands? That eternal life is in his hands? The father loves his son. And he has committed all things to the son. He's put all things in the hands of his son. Look at verse 36. That includes eternal life. And it's very clear in verse 36. He who believes in the son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. Those who believe in Jesus Christ, that means you believe he died on the cross for your sins, uh, that he was buried third day, he rose again from the dead, he's alive today, seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Those who believe in Jesus Christ, they put their faith in him, they have, notice they have, not that they will have, they have everlasting life currently, right now. Amen? Those who do not believe, those who reject Jesus Christ, it says, look what it says in your Bible. They shall not see life, not going to even see it. And notice the wrath of God abides on him. Not it will abide. It abides on him currently, right now and on into eternity. So the person who believes they have eternal life right now. The person who does not believe, well, they have the wrath of God abiding on them right now. God is set against that person. If you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, understand based on the testimony of scripture that the wrath of God abides against you. God is God has got his hand against your life. And ultimately when you die and step into eternity, you will experience the wrath of God and his judgment. That's the testimony of the scriptures. Who wants that? <laughs> Who would choose that? So it gives you a choice here. You believe in Jesus Christ. He forgives all of your sins. He removes all of the guilt. He removes all of the shame. And he gives you eternal life that begins now. If you reject Jesus Christ, your sin remains, the guilt, the shame remains. And not only that, his wrath abides on you. His hand is against you. And when you die, you face judgment. It's pretty clear in verse 36. You receive Jesus Christ, you receive life. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. The book of 1 John invites followers of Jesus into a consistently growing relationship with our Heavenly Father. The Christian walk isn't meant to stagnate, no matter how long you've been pursuing your relationship. There's always more to discover about your almighty creator and more ways in which he can refine your heart. As you've done already today by joining Pastor Dan for Ring of Truth, we encourage you to continue spending time in the Word regularly. We also urge you to make conversation with God a regular part of your routine as well, praying and listening to what your Heavenly Father wants to say to you. And know that here at Ring of Truth, we're also praying for you. We're so glad you joined us today, and we'd like to invite you to visit us here at Calvary Chapel. If you live in the Baltimore, Washington area, 
Come worship with us this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. For more information on what you can expect when you visit, go to calvaryec.com. Or give us a call. We can be reached at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. That's all for today. Join us next time for more right here on Ring of Truth. Good night.